3: We're still here in Bourbonnais, day two is now complete, it's in the books, and it's time for another Bears Camp Report. I'm Russell DeWitt, I'm joined by Nicholas Moriano, my co-host, and longtime no see, Will Ingalls is on the show, Will, how's it been, man? Man, it's been a while, but it's good to be back, it's good to see
1: football season alive and well, good to see Chicago Bears back, and with a different energy, I'm pretty sure everyone kind of felt that on Saturday, but being able to feel that for myself today, it's good it's a good
3: time to be a bears fan it really is now we talked about our experiences yesterday what did you feel that was different compared to even a time a year ago well first of all it's almost kind of this expectation
1: i mean there's this kind of mystery around last season and now everyone's just kind of like okay i'm excited to see this player we know what they can do and it's just it's it's desiring to see the execution it's no longer the talent that we're worried about being there it's now the execution with that talent and it's a lot of fun to see that absolutely
3: all right uh nick i want to go to you real quick uh, any big picture takeaways that you uh want to kind of start off with
0: well i'm going to take that mic over here real quick um i think big takeaways especially from yesterday is that i think the defense really stepped it up today mm-hmm. overall when looking at the d-line linebackers, secondary they showed up today and you know i think that's expected especially when the pads went on and a little bit for the offense it kind of took a step back there are times where Mitch was under throwing the ball and there were balls that weren't being completed but again that goes credit to the defense for just stepping up their game for this for this practice yes now real quick
3: disclaimer for those who aren't watching on YouTube we are outside uh, you may hear cars motorcycles people in the background wind I have no idea until I start editing this audio so just a disclaimer if you're hearing some funny noises that you're not accustomed to in the podcast that may be why but you said it Nick the defense kind of stole the show today and yesterday we talked about how crisp the offense was but that was without pads and we both mentioned that today uh, we're going to get a much, a much better read on exactly where you know everything stands but I don't think this means that the offense is you know bad by any means but the defense coming out of the pads they had some swagger today didn't they absolutely did, if you ask me. And I even with the extra swag, and I think a little
1: bit more of an aggressive attitude with uh, with new defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano there, saw a lot of bounce looks, a lot of pieces moving around, and I think Fangio did that to an extent. But, I mean, you just had all sorts of players lined up in different spots. You had Akeem Hicks lining up in the spot that you normally see uh, Khalil Mack and Leonard Brian. Floyd lining up. It. You don't know where to see all these dangerous pieces. You had Eddie Jackson lining up next to the line. If- Few times, you don't know where these dangerous pieces are going to line up, and that's a great thing to see. And it also just uh, allows, almost in the same way that Nagy has some players go on the offensive side in positions that they might not see often, you know, like Akeem Hicks at fullback, you know, Khalil Mm -hmm. Mack running motion, and so on. It's kind of the same way, and it gets you excited, you know, being a safety that gets to blitz a little bit more, being an interior lineman that gets to bump out outside and really test some other pass rushes and give uh, the offense some other looks i think that was great to see and i think it boosted that energy coming out and first day in pads is always going to be a boost coming from a defensive player who's wrapped up his collegiate career but man the first
3: day you throw pads on (laughs) it's it's a good feeling (laughs) absolutely all right i think actually since we focus on the defense now uh, yesterday we did start with the offensive positions let's go ahead and flip it because it was the defensive day and we're already on the subject so let's start up front defensive line uh for me i'll begin a couple things that just really out to me uh just a few moments after practice without even looking at my notes uh keem hicks you talked about the energy there's one play where he literally took cody white and knocked him right on his ass right into the grass uh, right off the line of scrimmage which honestly i mean i don't think uh this is any detriment to cody white just how good Akeem hicks is and uh once uh he doesn't have to go against an akeem hicks on sundays i'm sure he's going to be uh very thankful after this year but <laughs> Uh, Akeem Hicks moving from side to side a little bit more is something that I noticed and something you alluded to. Bilal Nichols seemed very energetic, bringing the hype, uh, very strong up front. But Nick, let's go over to you. What did you see from the defensive line today?
0: Yeah, so when I moved over to your side, well, you get a better vantage point of like that offensive def- defensive line play. And Bilal Nichols was a guy that just stood out immediately to me. He was on the interior just working on the right guard and immediately just blows up the play. Had it, you know.
2: The... Finally
0: whistle not been blown easily, Bilal Nicholas would have had tackle for loss, and that's what you want to see out of now a second year player, but he stood out, we were there to see that white hair being put on his ass right there from Akeem Hicks, just showing the power and Akeem Hicks after every any play you're going to see the excitement from him, that's just who he is as a player, but those two guys really stood out for me, and then more so in like the backup role, Nick Williams was a guy yeah. who I saw a couple times get into the backfield just using good technique, but that's what you want to see every defensive line, the rotation there, even on the back end
3: Yeah, Nick Williams, last year, someone that impressed. Obviously, he stayed around. I think he was a practice squad guy. Uh, Again, backup, nose tackle. But he's a guy, I expect good things from this preseason yet again. Not just because he shares well. All three were named Nick and Will. (laughs) Um, But sticking with willpower, I want to go over to you. Defensive line, anything stick out? I think it was just a full group effort.
1: There were times where that pocket completely collapsed Mm -hmm. within moments of the play starting. There were times where it was tough for me to diagnose who got the sack exactly, because there were three guys who really just could have gotten their arm out there and and taken down whichever quarterback was currently doing the play. So, and I mean, within training camp, like you don't reach your arm out just because you can get caught in the quarterback's throwing motion, then all of a sudden you're down a quarterback for three or four weeks. It's just not something they're willing to do. But the way that pocket collapsed, um, almost a vast majority of the plays that we saw today was incredible to see because the offensive line for Chicago is no, no slouch. Mm-hmm. You know, they have some pretty good guys up there. To see how consistently that pocket collapsed and quickly how quickly that collapsed was pretty crazy for me to see. So not exactly players standing out outside the usual suspects sure. like Hicks,
3: Goldman, Mack, and so on. Uh, I was just really impressed in general how, with how much that unit worked overall. All right, let's bounce to the outside linebackers. You just mentioned Khalil Mack. Uh, Right in front of me there was a play during uh, 11-on-11 where Tariq Cohen just dropped the ball uh, in the backfield. It was a fumble, and Khalil Mack did have a scoop and score. I think I tweeted uh, that play, and I also mentioned I had some mixed feelings, right? You love to see (laughs) Khalil Mack get a touchdown. You hate to see Tariq Cohen drop a handoff. Well, I'm not sure because I had a pretty good view on that play too, and it seemed like it was
1: a mesh point kind of deal so like an RPO type of deal. it was pretty yeah exactly so Mitch is leaving that thing in there as long as he can to try to fake out the defense and I think it was a miscommunication I think at some point Cohen's like okay Mitch is gonna pull it And then he didn't or or he didn't pull it he expected that to stay but his arms went away and i think it was just a miscommunication that can happen sometimes with rpo but that's something you expect to be cleaned up and especially something when with uh two rookies that came in at the same time you expect that communication to maybe be a little bit better so i understand the split feelings there but mac was there in an
3: instant that ball was not on the ground long and you know i mean we're going to talk about the offense in a minute but on top of communication i think that's both an instinctual thing and both of them need to be on the same page in terms of what they're seeing the defense to them in order to both make the correct read so on top of communication it goes with that Uh, let's go over to nick here outside linebacker i had some interesting Bits about one-on-one that I'll get to. But I wanted to go over to you real quick just for a few of your thoughts.
0: Yeah, Leonard Floyd was a guy that was really keying in on, especially when the pads went on. I wanted to see how he used his hands. There was one play where it was against Charles Leno Jr. where Leno Jr. is really blocking just air at that point because of the inside swim move that Leonard Floyd was able to put on Leno. And that's what you want to see from Leonard Floyd, just kind of utilizing different pass rushing moves to get to the quarterback. And also, I kind of liked seeing him out when he's disrupting the receivers in their, when they're about to go for a route, just getting hands Handsy with them, getting physical with them. That's what you want to see from Leonard Floyd. You know, now heading into this contract year, but that was a guy that was really keying in. On. I think he had an overall a pretty good day.
3: For me, in the one-on-ones, uh, the very first time I looked over that direction, I saw that it was going to be Khalil Mack versus Bradley Soul. and I was like, well, this is going to be interesting. And immediately, I mean, I mean, Mack just crushed them, and I mean, that's going to happen. There's not many, or if any other Khalil Macks out there in the world. Uh, second up was Leonard Floyd. Uh, versus Broniker, and Broniker just gave him a big old bear hug, just trying you know, <laughs> everything he can to make sure Floyd doesn't get behind him. But obviously, uh, that's holding. Uh, some people on Twitter reply to that tweet saying that is uh, Packer blocking or, just, or <laughs> just in practice for week one for Leonard Floyd, which I can kind of get behind as well. Um, but in terms of the other guys, Isaiah Irving and Kylie Fitz, uh, to me, Kylie Fitz... Uh, Kind of built upon yesterday that he's looking a little bit more confident, a little bit more fluid and athletic, whereas last year I don't think he came into camp 100% in shape. I know he's coming off of an injury, but he does seem like he's, you know, going in the right direction here. I didn't see many splashes from either of those players today, but Mm -hmm. Will, did you see anything out of those two that gives you any confidence about those two? And again, they are the fourth kind of guys in this rotation.
1: Right, I think the difference is is for Fitz, he's gonna have that first year to second year pop. And I mean, Irving, I don't think really had that in some mm-hmm. ways, because I think he was a, I think he was, a, a little bit ahead of schedule for what we expected him to be in his rookie year. And then uh, he kind of maintained that in his sophomore season. I think we're seeing a little bit of a bump from Fitz. And, and that can be due to a lot of things. It might be a different defensive scheme, but you earn some confidence being in the league for an extra year. He kind of understand how to be a consummate professional and so on. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that confidence, that swagger and maybe being within a uh, NFL style lifting program and health program for a while. And I think that's benefiting
3: him so far. And we'll see if he can continue to build, as you mentioned from day to day, because that's what matters is stacking practices. Someone did complain that yesterday, Nick, we forgot to mention Aaron Lynch. He did have one good play yesterday that we omitted to talk about, but today, uh, the one flash I saw from him was uh, jumping up and betting down, chasing mm-hmm. the yep. ball. Did either of you see anything else from Aaron Lynch today that is worth mentioning? I don't.
0: You know, I mean, it's not. Look, I, I would say that um, just because we don't have stuff on Aaron Lynch, that doesn't mean he's not making plays. It's just there's only so many eyes or so many players that you can keep a track of. Um, but yeah, for Aaron Lynch, that was the one play that I caught from him was that pass mm-hmm. batted down. But, again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I know that there was another uh, inside run where he was able to contain the edge. But other than that, that's all I really saw from Aaron Lynch. But, again, not, not the worst thing.
3: Sure, sure. I was bounced inside. Uh, inside linebackers, Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, Nick Kwiatkowski for you over there. Well, we know you're such a big fan. Uh, so, for me, one thing that still stands out, continues to stand out, and we didn't get to see this last year, and we saw glimpses mm-hmm. of it yesterday, Roquan's speed. Uh, I saw a few players are trying to get Cohen the ball in space around the sidelines and Roquan is there in a hurry And I was telling uh, Larry uh, one of the fans of the show who I was actually standing next to I was like You know what? There's not many people in this league that can keep up with Tariq Cohen But one of them is right there on our defense and that's encouraging to see I mean, we know what Roquan brings to the table in that regard but to see him against a Tariq Cohen and kind of mirroring him across, you know, the entire field was a great sign. What about you, Nick? Anything from the inside guys today?
0: Yeah, so I got a really good vantage point of seeing the linebackers and running backs go out at one on one drills and they were pass blocking also. Um just um they were pass blocking and that's where Smith, like you said, was able to show that coverage. It was the first snap against Mike Davis one on one. It was a slant route, not an easy, you know, route to cover for you know an inside linebacker, but Smith is right there, bats bats the ball away. He got beat too. He got, he got beat beat and he has that speed and that recognition
1: to just shoot inside he knows when to flash the hands too because that has to be an instinctual like trigger thing because if you put your hands out you're showing the quarterback exactly where he can't throw it. Uh, that was a really incredible play. I saw that too.
0: No, absolutely. And then when it was in uh, in pass coverage, Roquan Smith getting after, let's say it was a, it was a dummy, it was a, supposed to be the quarterback and Smith with that pass rush is he's a guy that is hard to stop. Tre Cohen had to go against him for the first rep. It, it was not really it was it was easy work for Roquan Smith and he continued to do that. He did get uh, blocked for the last rep, I believe, by Mike Davis, I'm pretty sure, and the defense had to do some updowns because of that, but overall I think you saw some really good uh, work from Roquan Smith. Joel EA Buniwe though, just going to a backup mm-hmm. real Go. quick. On that pass rush, he was sat down twice. I forgot which running backs were able to do it, but you just saw him on the ground and in this pass rush drill, you're thinking this should be the advantage for the linebacker. Not so much, not for Joel Iyebuniwe, maybe need to hit Bears fit a couple more times this week, but uh, <laughs> that's all I got on the linebackers there. All right, let's go over to Will. Uh, I'm curious your take on the inside guys. I mean, so, as a linebacker yourself.
3: Yeah, so for Iyebuniwe, um, for me i think it was a leverage issue i think he
1: came in high a lot of times and you kind of misjudge sometimes uh how the running backs are going to attack you but if you're standing up a lot of those running backs are kind of stout really set low to the ground i mean you saw exactly what Tariq cohen did in the rams game uh yeah. dante fowler jr Faller, thank you for reminding me on that and so you you see what happens with leverage and i think uh sometimes eubo way forgets about that leverage aspect. He has the strength. He has the speed. He could be a fantastic blitzer, but I think he has to put some of those things together. I think sometimes he gets so focused on what move he's going to put on, he forgets some of the basics at times, and that happens to some players, especially when you have such raw physical traits and you're trying to put on those finishing touches, he kind of forgets your foundation sometimes, so it's something you'll have to work on, but seeing just the night and day differences, for, that, like we just talked about with Fitz, that year one to year two mm-hmm. step, I think is very encouraging for him. overall uh i just want to echo what nick said with uh roquan smith as a blitzer holy cow we saw it we only fangio doesn't blitz a whole lot especially Mm -hmm. with his interior backers but if we see that a couple more times this year with uh chuck pagano i won't be upset because (laughs) holy cow that man has that man has a trigger i mean holy cow some people say flipping the switch i mean he flips Mm -hmm. the switch in an instant and man i would not want to be the running back having to block him i would be uh I'd be cutting and hoping it works all day, uh, but Roquan's so fast that I'm not sure it'd matter. Um, of course, uh, looking at uh,
2: pass rush. Ro- Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.
1: I have to mention Nick Kwiatkowski. After so many years, I can still predict every single pass rush. It'll be a bull rush. I'm not saying he has all the moves in the world. I'm not saying he has a whole lot of shimmy, but for goodness sake, man. <laughs> they, he made me look really smart today. I had some friends uh, friends come with me to practice today. And I said, hey, wanna, I want to bet what he uh, tries for this uh, rush here. And he's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, it's. The bull rush. (laughs) What do you know? Thank you, Nick, for making me look smart today. But other than that, uh, I think it was an overall solid day from the inside backers. Another thing from Roquan Smith, they did one of those uh, jet motions with uh, Cordell Patterson, Mm -hmm. handed him the ball off, and that space was closed in an instant with Roquan Smith. I mean, normally those plays, especially with a guy like Patterson, you give an instant, you give an inch, you miss one step in your read, you're beat. And it didn't matter. He closed that space in a hurry. He wasn't even at the sideline. He was kind of just starting to hit the hole, and Roquan Smith was right there near near foot and near hip, as we've talked about in the past, mm-hmm. for form-fit tackling. It was a thing of beauty to watch. So I think from our starting guys overall, just really great quality, and I think we're seeing some uh, promising sparks from some of the guys working their way up.
3: And, again, real quick, Danny Trebathan, I mean, everything you come to expect from him. I thought he did a good job of filling his gap, playing with this high I mean, a guy who's been in the league in, in this. System for so long. I mean, I would be worried if I saw otherwise at this point, but no surprises there. Let's go ahead and bounce over to the secondary. Let's talk about the cornerbacks first. Uh, I'll give you a few of mine just real quick. Uh, Number one, I can't believe Prince Mukamara knocked someone under the butt, Uh, but a pretty big hit. I forgot exactly who it was. It was Marvin Hall. It was, yeah, it was Marvin Hall. That's right. And Mukamara is someone who usually doesn't play a very physical game. So to see that out of him, I think it's pretty jacked up about it. I think Eddie Jackson uh, followed suit as well, getting uh, rattling behind that one. Oh, that was fun to see. And uh, other than that, I believe I saw a good play and a bad play from Don Franklin, which the inconsistency is what I'm expecting out of him anyway at this point. But I saw one play; was able to knock a ball out, uh, punch it. That was encouraging. Another one, he just got looked pretty silly uh, on a route, got totally turned around and left the receiver uh, wide open. Kyle Fuller, though, man, there's a reason why he's an All-Pro corner. I mean, every time I saw one-on-one. St- 11-on-11, uh, 11 7-on-7. 11, seven seven. I mean, he's just right there in coverage. And if there's a catch in front of him in space, he closes that in a hurry as well. I saw a few flares to the running backs right there in the flat. And right immediately, he's meeting the ball carrier. And, again, no live tackling today. But Kyle Fuller's making that tackle nine times out of ten
0: for, like, a one-yard game at most. All right, Nick, let's go over to you. Cornerbacks, what you got? Yeah, so, you know, I'll start with uh, Buster screen. I thought, mm-hmm. yeah. Today he had a pretty decent practice. Today I thought he looked a little a step slow in some some routes there. Um, again, you're not going to have consistently good practices every day, but you want to as a player. That's how you get better. But I thought today overall he just stepped, seemed to be a step slow. And Duke Shelley, a guy that again. He continues to impress me. He really does, just in coverage and how he's able to play physical, despite being the size. I know he's talked about that where people need to stop talking about his size, but he is a pretty physical guy. Another guy that played pretty physical, and you're not going to hear him on the depth chart or, you know, he's not going to be someone that starts on Sundays. Jonathan Mincy had a couple pretty big hits in this practice today. I'm like, who is this guy? And then he kept (laughs) looking down at the roster card. It's Mincy again. So um, just some of the guys that kind of stood out to me. I thought John Franklin, too. I mean, yes, he had a couple of downplays, but, consistently he was around the football and a guy that you just don't kind of expect just where he's at in the depth chart but he made some plays today
3: now i want to go back to screen because you jogged my memory and i had to go back to my notes uh during one-on-one drills at the corner of the end zone where i was standing uh he was beat by whims oh i did see that He was beat by daryl patterson oh i didn't see that and then his next rep he was beat by uh marvin hall so three times in a row he was pretty beat and the guy uh next to me was like we're talking i was like so what's your comfort level on buster screen this year and duke shell he's like oh yeah i think you know with buster with a better defense he should be fine and you know and i was like okay and then three plays in a row bam 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 gave up and we looked at each other like
0: well
3: but again one-on-one drills those are suited for the receiver that's very tough on any corner but i just wanted to mention that i do have him being beat three times in a row on one-on-one drills let's head over to will here any takes on the corners Say, I was looking at screen a little bit as well, and, and one thing with the type of offense that Nagy likes to run is
1: he will put that nickel corner in a bad spot nine times out of ten, kind of just how the read option makes the defensive end always pick wrong. That's kind of how Nagy likes to run his offense sometimes. So what he'll do a lot of times is uh, the play that I saw in particular was uh, they had <laughs>
3: – Well,
1: well, that's unfortunate. Uh, it sounds – okay. Well, well, nice. Well, yeah, some, seems like <laughs> someone had lost their car for a second and was trying to find it. But they were successful. They found the car. That's uh, good news. Good That's news. But anyway, so they optioned uh, They optioned screen by sending one guy out on a bubble screen and immediately screen bit on the screen, uh, kind of uh, closing space in over there. But then they ran the slant in right in front of them. So, I mean, it's one thing you just have to have really good vision and see the whole field. That's not an easy play to make as the nickel corner, but uh, it's one you just kind of have to be aware of. You kind of have to play that space in between and try to at least uh, make the option harder for the quarterback. Because what you do in an option all the time is try to slow down the process, help your defense out, and he just bit too hard on the screen in that particular play. So, I mean, it's it's tough because what you want out of a nickel corner is so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, the people like Bryce Callahan are in short supply. That's why Bryce Callahan got paid a lot of money this offseason. And that's not to say that Buster Screen is not a really good coverage player. He's just put on the hardest assignment in, really, NFL football. In sure. modern-day mm-hmm. NFL football with the spread offense, yep. nickel corner is the hardest thing to play because you're going to have a ton of inside releases. You talk about one-on-ones. I mean, unfortunately, that's going to be a lot of times you're left on an island in that slot position, maybe with a single high safety, but a lot of times if you give up an inside release, you're in trouble. So I, it's tough to judge on today's performance, sure. but I feel like he, he's going to need some more reps. I'm not entirely confident with the performance I saw today. Other than that, uh, not a ton of guys stand outside of, obviously, Kyle Fuller and Mukamar giving us what we've come to expect from them, right. Anything which from is Shelley? a good thing. Uh, I actually didn't get a lot of views of Shelly. Um, I was watching a lot of run game, and I was okay. watching the trenches specifically, um, kind of just in awe of And this goes back to the defensive line a little bit, but just watching the hand fighting specifically mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. amazing. Towards the end of practice when they were doing special teams, I mean, the way yeah. their hands were flying and watching that cross over into actual gameplay man that was fantastic to watch so I was kind of wrapped up in that I didn't watch a whole lot of the corner scene for the most part and I didn't really have any vision of the one-on-ones from the other side because I was with the full team segment while they were running one-on-ones on on the other side so I didn't really have a great view of that gotcha from what I did see fuller Mukamara business as usual and screen some steps to go but at at, at the same time I think
3: he's playing aggressive at least and and you can always work with that right right Nick anything else on these corners So for me uh, in terms of Shelly, I have it in my notes uh, a few times that his closing speed was pretty impressive. able to get to some people uh, rather quickly. Something that uh, I know he was known for a little bit his days at Kansas State, uh, kind of translating here in the NFL. But anything else, we do move over to safeties.
0: You know what? I did watch Kevin Tolliver for a couple snaps just when they were running the seven-on-sevens or even team drills when he was with the twos. He looks a lot more fluid out there at yes. the outside corner. He had one-on-one with Javon Wims. Step-for-step step on this vertical route I, at his hip. That's what you want to see from Kevin Tolliver. Be- because, I mean, Prince of Munkumar is on this last year of the contract. Really, they don't have to pay him for next year. So that could be a guy that really needs to step up. But I liked what I saw from the few snaps I watched of him today. All right, let's bounce
3: out to the safeties. And I want to start with Eddie Jackson because... Uh, a he had an interception today but that came after uh, there's they're doing some one-on-one drills and it was Eddie Jackson versus Javon Wims actually let me take a step one back further remember the one-on-one drills from yesterday mm-hmm. we talked about the up downs and the consequences well first up today was Tyler Bray throwing Javon Wims as a receiver Eddie Jackson in coverage and Wims completely turned Jackson around beat him on an out route and it was an easy catch and, and as a result the defense lost. Well about 10-15 minutes later, round two is about to begin in one-on-one drills. And uh I think Wim slipped on that route and then Jackson was just kind of standing there, like, oh plays over. And Mitch having a little bit of fun just lobbed it to Jackson and it went right through his hands. And everyone <laughs> in the crowd was like, Oh! And then like, what was that? Like, how do you drop that? And Mitch is going like what? Like this is crazy. Everyone's Eddie shocked. Jackson, how do you drop that? And so then he did some uh, push-ups as a result, some self-punished, uh, I would say, push-ups there. But everyone got a good laugh out of that moment. And then he had some retribution uh, later on in team drills. Uh, very first play of 11-on-11. 11 11. Yep. Uh, great range, which we know that from Eddie Jackson as well, to come from the center field over to the sideline to make a good play on the ball and interception on the Mitch pass. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I thought Dion Bush continued to look like he doesn't stand, like he doesn't stand out for better or for worse. And I think that's exactly what we're kind of wanting here out of Dion Bush, who is, uh, you know, starting in place of HaHa Clinton Dix until further notice. But even Ha Ha, still, he's jogging around the field. I said this yesterday, in case you missed the episode, I'll say it again. He looks fine. The Bears are definitely just taking this thing uh, super cautiously. But, Nick, how about you? Safeties?
0: Yeah, so a guy that I've been watching is who has a position change, essentially, is Sheriff McManus, who's now playing that safety position, mm-hmm. just kind of watching, seeing how he's looking out there. For the most part, I think he fits the position just being that veteran player knowing where he needs to be. There were a couple of times where I thought he took some bad angles on some running backs that, of course, would have been tackled had this been an actual game, but just the angle that he's taken – you, you want to see him take a better one moving forward. But I think Sherrick McManus, to really just extend his career, he's going to have to make this transition to safety. And so far, I think he's doing a pretty good job at it.
3: What about you, Will? I know you were paying attention to the trenches, uh, so I'll, I'll give you a pass here if you need it.
1: Um, I One thing that did stand out for me with Dion Bush is that I know he was going through a lot of family struggles over his yeah. years mm-hmm. in the league. The energy that he brings out to practice now is just night and day. Because I remember... 2015 is his rookie year. 16, 17, like it's just like man, where's the energy at? Like, you're, you're here like you were a fourth round pick. Like you have, you're in a position of great need for the Bears at the time. I mean, mm-hmm. Who are we starting back then? I mean, Chris Przysinski? Probably. Yeah, yeah. He played some games back then. If he, <laughs> was just like man, like you're you're in a prime position here. But just the night and day difference, mm-hmm. you know. I'm glad that he's in a better headspace, and it seems that his play on the field has changed night and day because of it. His- Good thing to see, and he might never be an amazing safety uh, or a league leading safety, but the energy that he can bring to this defense and just the ability he can bring as a, as a fill in player at the very least you know, someone who won't cost you anything. Maybe he won't, maybe he won't Ed Reed or Eddie Jackson some sort of things for you, sure. but you can rely on him, and that's a huge thing. And yep. he will bring that energy that this defense feeds off of. That's something that stood out to me.
3: Yeah, I, you said it right. I think when you're looking around the league, you're looking at our roster. I think he's one of the most ideal backup safeties that we can have on this team for sure. All right, well, that's gonna wrap up our talk real quick here on the defense. Before we switch over, talk about the offense. A uh, real quick one to let you know about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Honestly, number one, uh what, what is it? Oh, they talk about how much they stand out from the crowd because all the other ticketing websites they don't care about your experience, but SeatGeek does. Uh, they do a lot of things that kind of show why they do so. Number one, they rate each deal on a scale of one to 10. Uh, and the, they have a color code as well. The green dots are good deals, the red ones are the not so good deals. Um, and I love talking about the interactive seat map. I was doing it today because we're looking at the Chiefs game. A lot of great deals, by the way. If you want to join us for that Bears Chiefs December 22nd game, uh, definitely check out SeatGeek for that. Um, But you can be anywhere. You click on any row in any section and you get a view of what that seat's going to look like. So you have nothing to uh, surprise you when you get there on game day. Uh, SeatGeek does all the work to make your job much easier. Plus they have over uh, 50,000 five five-star reviews in the app store. So obviously you can trust them. And every ticket is of course guaranteed so you can shop at SeatGeek with confidence. And don't forget the best part of all and the kicker. We have a promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. And again, that promo code is BEARS, B-E-A-R-S. Use that and you can get $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. righty, I'm Urs Will I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, Will Ingalls. We're outside in a beautiful Olivet Nazarene University campus here and we are breaking down day two of Bears camp. and It's time to talk about the offense, and I think we should start with Mitch Trubisky, which yesterday we we're talking about his confidence, his poise, his Christmas. I think two of the three are still there. He looked confident, he looked poised. The Christmas level was a little left to be desired. What about you, Will? What did you see from Mitch?
1: For me, um, not being able to see his transition from last year to this year, I would agree this confidence. I'd say the, the way I looked at practice, even with the offensive struggles, was very business-like. Mm-hmm. It seemed very business-like, and, and that goes back to the whole expectations talk earlier. Their, their way that they go about their business, it's not a lot of people running around uh, without an idea. It's, uh, as my coaches would call, controlled chaos. You have a lot of people doing a lot of different drills. You might not have certain running backs because they're doing punt return or something like that, but it just seemed everyone knew what they were doing, and there is just this level of uh, just this level of calmness overall which I thought was really good to watch. And of course, the leader of all that has to be Trubisky, leader of your offense. Um, Christmas, I think uh, there are some struggles. Uh, We talked about the defense earlier, dominating the Mm -hmm. offensive line. So I think a lot of his reads were cut short. Sure. Mm -hmm. But I think the big thing, and this was said in a chat that we're all in, is that uh, it's not bad decisions for the most part. It's execution. Exactly. So execution we can always fix. Bad decisions is what really makes you worried. You know he can make the throws, it's just now making the throws. So some deep balls he's leaving too short. so sometimes he's putting too much air under him. Some uh, intermediate throws he puts too much on him. That's something we saw a lot in that Rams game specifically. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, it's execution. He seems to be making all the right reads, though, which isn't something we saw in the last camp. So that's huge for me.
3: Yeah. And on top of the reads, he's going through his progression so much more smoothly than last season. And if you even want to do a full year kind of turnaround thing, I mean, day two of last year, you're looking at Mitch that after read one, he's in trouble. Or after, you know, a couple of seconds, he doesn't know what to do with the ball. Uh, Even just how he's conducting himself around practice was a little bit different. It just feels like he is owning this offense himself and, you know, the process in general. But to see him go today making a few throws that look to be on his third or fourth read, encouraging signs
0: for sure out of number 10. What about you, Nick? What did you see? Yeah, you guys talked about um, some of his throws there. I thought he had a couple of under throws throughout the practice. But what I really like from Mitch Trubisky, and it happened towards the end of practice, and this was when the defense was really getting after this offensive line, winning that team drill 11 on 11 after the first team offense came off the field, Trubisky went over to that offensive line you could see that he was just talking to them. Mm-hmm. Because there were a couple of times where these Bilal Nichols, Akeem Hicks, they're getting after and just kind of winning the battles up front and Trubisky's talking to them. Then you see Harry Hestan go over and talk to the offensive line. It's that accountability mm-hmm. that you're seeing from the, the leadership from Mitch Trubisky now heading into year three. And that's what you want to see out of your quarterback. And I think that's very encouraging to see. Yes, he's going to miss some throws, make some throws during practice, but I think that's like an undermined or an undervalued kind of component of the game, and especially the quarterback position. And I liked to uh, just glancing over to the left, seeing that he's talking to the offensive line. That was great to see.
3: Absolutely. Now let's go, we'll stick with uh, Nick here and let's go to the running back real quick. Talk about the day from David Montgomery, because he showed a lot today that, uh, I know the Bears have been gushing over him ever since they drafted him, but he's really starting to put that on the field today. The pads came on. We told people yesterday, once the pads are on, we can give him a good scoop of David Montgomery, and I think we saw some good things today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just see the, the springiness that he has with each kind of step that he takes. He's the guy that will bounce and juke and, you know, obviously also finish with power. We saw in the last practice when they didn't have pads on, but you put him on, he wants to finish some of these runs, and I got a chance to watch the one-on-one blocking drills. The first one he gets beat. He does. Montgomery, but he adapted and learned from that that first rep, and is able to make the correct block. And then you also see in the passing game. He ran a, a wheel route. The ball didn't get to him, but he's open, and that's what we didn't see from you know a Jordan Howard, a running back uh, that just couldn't extend the field vertically. And then we saw towards the end of practice, Will, and you tweeted out, uh, "David Montgomery runs a seam route down the middle of this defense. David Montgomery makes that catch." As- going down the field, that would have never happened with oh, Jordan Howard. No so that's what David Montgomery brings, in. I think, you know, overall he had a pretty good day. I know he had a fumble, like that's we talked true. about earlier, but as a rookie you're going to have these mistakes, especially early on. But overall I liked what I saw from David Montgomery, first day in pads. What Oddly, and I don't want to make this comparison, uh, but I'm going to say what he
3: reminded me of and a little bit of Mafort Forte in his moves. Uh, when he is uh, you know, stacking some of his moves together, he's never not moving vertically up the field and it's always seamless. There's never an extra hitch in his step. He's moving horizontal yet vertical all the same so- at the same time with some of those one cuts. And it's so impressive to see him hit a hole dodge a defender with that cut and then he's off to the races and again not live tackling today so there were a few times when they could have blown it dead probably would have been tackled a little sooner but a lot of the times I mean he's down the field in a hurry he's making decisive cuts looks like to be the correct reads in terms of uh, following some of these zones as well David Montgomery uh, very exciting stuff and again I'm not saying he's the next Matt Forte It'd be great if that ever you know panned out but some of the moves today and how he looked on the field to me reminded me when I was at training camp 2008. Matt Forte, what he's kind of bringing to the table here. And again, Matt Forte was a second round pick. Uh, Montgomery was a third. And uh, I think Forte was 10 years, you know, a little bit too early. I mean, mm-hmm. imagine him coming into this league now, but we'll, that's not what we're here to talk about, <laughs> guys. But David Montgomery, to be impressed, I want to go to Will because I know you had something you wanted to share about Mike Davis. Right, uh, and this was in that pass rush drill as well. Mike Davis was money in in, yep.
1: in uh, the pass rush drill. For me, when I sat down you asked if you had any if I had any big takeaways is Mike Davis is my third down back until further notice. You can say whatever you want about Montgomery's ability to get out, but man, that Davis's ability to pass protect, to go out for a pass, and also be an efficient runner. I mean, that's just the trifecta you need in a third down back. I mean, he can do literally everything. There is no keying on what the Bears can do. If Howard's in there, you know, he's either blocking or he's running. You know, Mike Davis is the consummate professional that he can do all three, and he can Mm -hmm. do all three very well. There's nothing you can key in on with that. And right now, I think Montgomery just needs a little bit more practice getting used to, you know, NFL rushers coming at him. You know, it's not something... I I wouldn't know what to do if with an NFL linebacker running at me and I just kind of had to plant my feet. I would have no clue what to do. (laughs) Uh, So I think it's just a little bit of learning from Montgomery at the time being. I think he could definitely be a two-down back right now. I think all the things that uh, Nagy can do with him and Cohen on the field, even throwing Patterson, it's going to be a nightmare as far as spacing and speed across the field. But uh, until further notice, Mike Davis is the guy that I'm relying on on third down each day of the week.
3: Yeah. You talked about Patterson as well. He actually started today's individual drills uh, with the running backs, then transitioned over to uh, the wide receivers. And even when they're just working on some formations today, uh, you saw Tariq Cohen in in the slot with Patterson in the backfield. Uh, You would have Davis in the backfield and uh, you know, Patterson in the slot. It's really interesting to see all these pieces and how they can be used, but no matter. What personnel they're putting out there right now—it feels dangerous. Uh, Last year, you can see, you know, some drawbacks of depending on who you're putting out there. But it seems like no matter what direction Matt Nagy wants to go with his offense, at any given down, any given play, the personnel he can throw out there is one that can potentially, you know, score on any defense at any given time. What about you, Nick? Anything on Patterson that you want to bring up, or anything about that we could segue? as I think Patterson's actually the perfect middle ground to segue towards the wide receivers here.
0: You know what, before we do that, though, I think we just got to talk about a little bit Tree Cohen. I mean, that's oh, a guy that we didn't even mention. And of course, he's a huge, that, huge part did you of this offense. I said his name. You did? Yeah, we said his name, <laughs> but I think, you know, just watching him, especially in one-on-ones, and I know Roquan Smith has the speed that he does, and Danny Trevathan, a great coverage linebacker, but... He is just a mismatched nightmare for opposing linebackers, especially when he's running that little five-yard out route. There's not a lot of guys. Look, real Money, money in the bank. Money yeah. in the bank, as Will said, because there's, look, you have linebackers that are great coverage guys on the Bears team, but not a lot of other NFL teams have that. So Tariq Cohen is just going to feast off that and what Matt Nagy can do creatively to get him open. It should be very encouraging to Bears fans and himself because he's going to get the ball a lot. Right. Now can we do wide receivers? Now we can. Okay. I'm gonna go right to you. Uh guys that kinda stu- <laughs> nice little transition there. Uh guys that really stood out to me. Javon Wims, he was always around the football, just catching, uh, winning that one-on-one against uh, Eddie Jackson early on in practice for the first one-on-one. I mean, Javon Wims, somebody that was maybe towards the bottom of the depth chart, really did himself a good deed today just by being open catching the football. There was one play where, whether it was an incomplete pass or a fumble, I don't know how they would have ruled it with Wims that he was involved with the play. But other than that, Wims had, a, I think, a pretty good day overall. I have in my notes, every time I looked up I'm tweeting something
3: or talking to someone next to me and I looked back to the field, Javon Wims was making a play. And that's, you said it perfectly Nick, he is making a good case for himself to stick around or be good trade bait to bang out of the Bears when to go about. Uh, because I know one rookie came back today or actually debuted Emmanuel Hall didn't really see anything out of him in his debut uh, Number six out there today, which is so weird seeing a number six and it's not an orange by the way right. <laughs> of all the years I've been here and that's been an orange jersey at practice. It throws me off um, But looking at the wide receivers Allen Robinson is just making plays like you like no other I mean you see him laying out for some balls You see him going up and over both Prince Mukomara and Eddie Jackson along the sideline to get some of these you know deep balls from Trubisky and I mean, Allen Robinson, the efforts there. And a year ago, when he was coming back from that ACL, he wasn't this aggressive in camp. He was a little bit more meek when it comes of, like, making plays on the ball. And just to see where he is now, and I think Matt Nagy said he's the best receiver that he's ever coached. I'm starting to buy that. I really am. And, uh, yeah, Allen Robinson, to me, stood out for sure. Let's go over to Will. Wide receivers?
1: That is exactly the name I was going to bring up Was Allen Robinson. We've talked for a long time that Mitch Trubisky hadn't quite – Uh, had the privilege of uh, number one receiver, his Mm -hmm. go-to guy. He had a lot of good players. He had a lot of weapons. He didn't have a go-to guy. Everyone wants to compare to the rest of his draft class. You know, Patrick Mahomes had a guy like Tyreek Hill. Then you had Deshaun Watson with DeAndre Hopkins. You know, you had go-to guys. Allen Robinson's that guy now. I mean, after this practice, like you saw it at the end of the wild card game. That he was becoming that guy, and th- f- the only person that I really felt like Mitch Trubisky had a beat on today was Allen Robinson. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of touch throws to him. There were a lot of throws that he was uh, he was really trusting Robinson to come down with. Yes. I mean, they they seemed like they had a connection today, and it was apparent from the first snap to the last one. I was very impressed not only with Robinson but Trubisky's connection, connection with him, which might be the bigger story here
3: uh what is it whatever ives his first name is number 14 on the roster thomas thomas ives was making a bunch of plays today (laughs) tanner gentry had a couple as well i just training
1: camp hero i'm (laughs) I'm
3: telling you ives can be the next kind of gentry on this team if he comes back for another year i mean he's making plays with the twos the threes they threw him out there with the ones for a couple plays and again matt nagy loves to do that with us oh are they actually considering ives probably not but the fact is this guy can go out there and he's showing he can contend with this roster, which it's a very deep roster through and through. And to see him out there as an undrafted free agent, really making a splash and a name for himself right now uh, is encouraging for him and his career uh, opportunities that may arise from this. But that's a name that I kept coming up. I'm like, Ives, wow. Like I didn't even really expect any of this from him. Again, I don't think he's making this roster by any means, but it's pretty interesting to see nevertheless. I was like, did Benny Fowler like
1: look different this year? And then I was like, no, no, who is this guy? But no, yeah, it's surprising. I mean, I feel bad because everyone wants that underdog story. This isn't a roster that you're gonna have a lot of underdog stories though with anymore. So enjoy it while it lasts, enjoy the Bourbon A hero, just like you've enjoyed Tanner Gentry for the last few years, but just don't just don't put your heartstrings on him because hopefully he's a guy that'll catch on somewhere else in the league. But for this season in this roster, it's gonna be tough sledding.
3: Nick, anything else on wide receivers or you want to transition over to tight end? And I will give you a more proper transition if we do.
0: You know, uh, before we go over to tight ends, I thought Marvin Hall had a couple oh, plays. He yes. had a deep uh, pass right over Kyle Fuller. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little underthrown ball by Mitch Trubisky, but Marvin Hall adjusted, caught the ball over, you know, all-pro cornerback Kyle Fuller. There was the play that we mentioned earlier where he gets laid out by Prince of but the name where I kept looking on the rest, like, okay, Marvin Hall's making some plays, and, you know, as a guy that's, Again, towards the bottom of this wide receiver depth chart, that's what you want to see, especially him being a smaller guy going up and catching that football over Kyle Fuller. That was encouraging to see.
3: It was, and I forgot about that play until you just jogged my memory on it. His speed was on full yeah. display there, and when he came from Atlanta, that's what we knew he had, a ton of speed. And the guy that doesn't get a lot of looks, doesn't get a lot of touches, but if you have a guy in your team with that kind of speed and the route running ability that he has to find those soft zones to create separation from a Kyle Fuller, That's encouraging and we said he's on that bubble. He's the veteran guy and depending how the Bears feel about these undrafted free agents We can be seeing him making a strong case if he has at least some more special teams value Which I did see him out there working with the special teams unit, which kind of shows you where he's currently standing It is only uh, day two here but yeah Marvin Hall is in someone else who stood out for sure, but let's go to tight ends here because Number one, we need to mention, no sign of Adam Shaheen out there all day. He was someone that we thought at the second half of yesterday's practice, they were just kind of taking it easy because they knew what they had in him. But I didn't see him walk into the field. I didn't see number 87 all day long. I'm not going to speculate what it is, and I bet you if... Uh, they're doing their uh, interviews right now. I'm sure there's actually an update, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to say what I what it could be. Uh, hopefully, it's minor or it's just you know maybe he's sick today. Uh, we'll figure it out. Uh, I mean, I'll find out since we're done with this podcast. So I apologize for just dancing around this. But uh, other than that, Trey Burton looked to be in pretty full force today, doing Trey Burton things, uh, catching some quick slams, getting into open space, turning up field. I didn't see many deep routes from him today, Um, but overall, I saw the connection between he and Trubisky uh, pretty much where it was last year, Uh, but two people that stood out, uh, maybe three, but I'll just stick with two right now. Uh, Ian Bunting continues Mm -hmm. to impress me. He's someone that was known as an inline guy out of college. We didn't know what he would have in terms of a receiving ability. He's running some really good routes, and he had a few Decent catches today out there, and on top of that, Dax Raymond, the guy that I've been very high on, I think bunting, to this point, has actually outperformed him, which is a big surprise to me. Um, that I think Raymond is slowly coming along. I saw him flash here and there, but Bunting has just been more consistent uh, from the beginning of practice to the end. That began yesterday. That carried over to today, and I'm actually excited to see what he can do uh, tomorrow as well. But what about you, Nick? What did you see out of the Bearside
0: Ends? Yeah, I was a little surprised to see more Ian Bunting making you know some receptions in practice day. Uh, but I always want to keep an eye on Bradley Salt just to see how he's doing. Transitioning to be in the tight end. I know he had a false start in camp today. I know he was thrown down by one of the backup linebackers. Got a little, chir- you know, a little chirpy afterwards. Wanted to say a few words, but you know, you're seeing him run routes, and he doesn't look unorthodox. He's starting to get into it a little bit more. That's what you want to see from him. Um, again, he's not. I don't know if he's – I know we talked about this yesterday. Well, if may, is he guaranteed to be on this team? Is he not? We'll see how he's transitioning So far, I like what I've seen from him. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of what I saw from Bradley Saul today. And, like, Ian Bunting, like you said, uh, a little surprising that he consistently is showing up.
3: He's had, he, and again, I know how Nagy likes to change, you know, who's on what line. Like, I saw Anthony Miller playing with the threes today. I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm like whatever. But to see Bunting getting, he had more reps than Raymond did with the ones. I don't recall any reps that Raymond got, but I saw Bunting out there uh, out just a handful of times. So I'm curious to see what that could maybe mean for him. And with Shaheen out today, it was opportunities that mm-hmm. bigger tight end. And I'm not going to say he looked better than Shaheen, but he didn't look not better than Adam Shaheen today out there. All right. Uh, But again, hot takes or kind of mild takes there. But Will, how about you? Anything on tight end? I
1: was going to say, mild is just kind of the idea for me. No one really impressed all that much. I thought Burton was running around well. But other than that, just nothing really to report for me. Okay. I mean, Adam Shaheen, I think, is a little bit concerning that he's not out there. We don't know anything. But it's just kind of like Shaheen was someone who needed to step up and and be a mainstay on this roster this year. They can't afford not to have him available. And uh, so far it's kind of MIA, so hopefully hopefully he's good and hopefully he's back at practice soon and uh, and it'll just be something that we forget that happened on the second day of training camp.
3: Mm-hmm. But
1: uh, hopefully this is not a larger storyline that continues to progress throughout 2019.
3: All right, let's segue over to offensive line. Kyle Long bringing the energy today. I saw him when he was actually entering the field. He was giving all the fans along the yellow rope high fives. Bam, 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 I like really fired up. Uh, the guy, uh, one of the people in my section was yelling, this is your year, Kyle, and the grin. like He was trying not to smile, but like he <laughs> couldn't help but just have that grin on his face uh, after hearing that a few times. But, Will, you were watching Trenches, and you, didn't, you had a very mild report for the tight end. So, offensive line, what do you got? Overall offensive line, I mean, just kind of like how I had the D-line overall, it was kind of just
1: a group, poor effort if you ask me. I thought the energy was great. I think the brotherhood that offensive line has because the vast majority of them came out together for practice. I was over by uh, the stands where they were walking out and I'd say about eight or nine of them came out together. I think Bobby Massey was a little bit later but I want to say he was getting his knee taped. I saw some extra gear on his knee if I remember right. Um, So, But the brotherhood they have is good. I think they just kind of got pushed on their heels again today and just kind of struggled to recover. I didn't see any one person outside the one low light for Cody Whitehair. Yeah. I didn't see a lot of problems. It was uh-huh. just kind of an overwhelmed offensive unit to an extent. And I don't think it much changed for the second and third unit. I think it's kind of a trickle down for that offensive uh, side. And it just kind of, if the first unit isn't up to snuff, I don't feel like the second or third unit are going to open up gaping holes or really hold good pockets in particular. So that overall is just kind of underwhelmed with the offensive line. But sometimes that happens. First day of pads is kind of going to favor the defense because you're no longer thinking about timing plus contact. You're just thinking about contact for defense so I can understand for the offense a little bit but it's hard to draw conclusions when they kind of got their butt kicked for the majority of the afternoon.
3: Yeah I understand that for sure. I do want to ask you one more question though because I understand you're underwhelmed but did you even notice the position change? We talked about this yesterday it just feels like status quo up front. Did you get the same kind of gut feeling today?
1: Yeah I, I we wouldn't have known the difference if you did if you weren't paying attention right. so I'd agree. It seemed like status quo nothing wrong with center quarterback exchange Exactly. so. I think that went pretty well. And I mean, sometimes that pistol snap is not easy to get down. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought overall, no, no, nothing really to report from that side. I mean, you would need uh, some better coaching tape to really break down how mm-hmm. blocking assignments went over. But overall, just seemed kind of like that
3: unit got overwhelmed. But like you mentioned, center exchange seemed perfectly fine to me. I think after this podcast, I'm going to make it a thing that we don't even talk about that position change. I mean, it's really, to me, it's a done deal. I don't see why they would even flip-flop at this point. If they do, I'll talk about it. But as of right now... James Daniels, center. Cody Whitehair, guard, end of story. No reason to even talk about it further besides their positions and what they're doing. What do you think, Nick?
0: No, I think that's where we should leave that because James James is doing a phenomenal job there and Cody Whitehair, they, they look like they're in their natural position. I mean, that's what they played in college. Uh, left guard, center at Iowa. So, yeah, we're going to leave it at that. But I think with offensive line play, we only notice, like, really, honestly, the bad stuff that yep. happens. And that doesn't mean that good stuff isn't happening, but it's just the bad stuff kind of glares out at you. So, uh, like we were saying towards the end, and for the majority the practice, of the defensive line, and that defense was really getting after this offense. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the offensive line had a bad day. Like Will Ingles just said, we would need a little bit more angles, some coaching tape to really see the, the blocking assignments to really assess the offensive line play today. Ooh, maybe that's the segment, Will's angle. Oh wow, oh. we just made that up. That's, that's great.
3: <laughs> um, so for me, one other note on the offensive line that I would like to hit is Rashad Coward. Because last year, the transition, we talked about it being smooth, and we didn't get to see him in the regular season. And something that we're looking forward to in Countdown to Camp is the growth. What do we see in terms of growth? And the pads were on today, and I saw growth. He looks, he is a right tackle. How about right. that? Yeah. He is a right tackle. He's not swinging yet, which he may not. They may just peg him there as that Bobby Massey eventual you know right. taking over the reins. He looked good. He looked strong. He was getting back into his, hit. was it? A, is it a hitch wheel? Is that what they call it? Or a get up? Yeah, hitch. Yeah. He was getting in there real quick. I was very encouraged by what I saw. He was going up against Aaron Lynch at times. He was going up against Fitz, Irving, and he was holding his own. I, there there's a couple times where he allowed maybe a little bit of, you know, a little bit of pressure. But compared to the other guys on the line, he looked to be, for the second unit, the strongest guy out right. there and holding his own. So very encouraging out of Rashad Coward. And I, I say it every episode. He was the first player on the field. I like to always make note of who's the first player. He was out there by a good ten minutes before anyone else, already kind of working uh, with his stance. Actually, so he's putting in some of the extra work, and I love uh, the mentality that he brings to the table every practice and all year long. You guys ready to talk some special teams? And I guess that means it's time to talk about the kicker.
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think what for especially this training camp, this is going to be a storyline throughout the entire training camp. It's still going to be a storyline, but. Eddie Pinero was the kicker today, yes. and man, did he not disappoint. He went seven for eight on field goals, and we don't know the exact yardage of the last one. Was it a six? It was in the 60s. 62, 63. 60, okay. I, was, I had a good angle, okay. Of that. Yes. Yeah,
1: so I, my way I counted out was 62. I think Bears said it was 63, but either way, you're 60 plus. I mean, that's that's changing how you can run a two-minute offense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And he had like to spare.
3: He did. He did. So 62-ish, we'll call that field goal that he hit. 60 plus 62-plus, 62, 62 and two inches maybe. Um, but on top of that, Nick, you mentioned seven of eight. His miss came from 53, and he was able to use that correction with the wind and able to hit that 62-plus yard field goal <laughs> uh, immediately after the fact. So a very strong day out of him really the last two days strong from both kickers and at least in these field goal opportunities that they're giving them. Uh, they didn't run the two-minute drill today so we didn't get to see them have those extra reps like Fry had yesterday. But guys this is seeming to be to me an ideal situation where both guys are just balling out, showing up, you know, hitting uh, most of their kicks. I mean when you're hitting seven of eight and your misses from 53, I'll take that all day long. I think Fry's miss was in the 30s yesterday, not really trying to weigh one over the other. To me they're still in a dead heat dead even, just like Matt Nagy said, that they're starting camp two days in, nothing's changed, and that's the perfect situation. I don't want one to beat the other. I want them to end camp, end preseason in a dead heat, give the Bears a tough decision, make it, and then, God forbid, worst case scenario happens, you have another one in your back pocket you can always bring back. So for me, I'm wishing both guys uh, continued success here, but so far so good. Right, Nick?
0: Absolutely. I mean, Ryan Pace said in, in the press conference in Decatur that it's even right now between uh Pinero and Fry and look they both went 7 for 8 when they were asked to kick the field goals and they both nailed that 60-yard field goal. So that's what you want to see from these kickers. They're both competing. They're both bringing the best out of each other and I think that's the best case scenario. I would like to have an established guy. I hope one of them just kind of goes out in front and becomes yeah, that guy. I can't second guess the whole season. I, I Yeah, I don't want to know which if we had maybe put Panero in or Fry. What I up. want someone to just come out yeah, and I win I want this someone battle. to crap the bed and I want someone <laughs> to do a lot better. I want I
1: don't want to You don't want that. I don't I mean I want them to push each other but man I want to know which kicker is better. Like can you do that in the season like say say God forbid you lose a game because of a missed field goal and you cut the other guy and he was doing really well too. What are you going to do, man? You're going to be like, "Ah, oh, we should have had the other one." I don't want to do that. I want the and, one guy. And the problem is that's going to sway the locker room a little bit too. I mean, you don't know which way the locker room wants to go. So if you have two guys competing with each other, I guarantee you the locker room splits on which one they want. And now all of a sudden, you're just kind of split down exactly, you know, who's supporting who, and uh, you hope that it never comes down to that in the season. I but but I want exactly like Nick said, I want an established
0: guy I can get behind. It's okay. like which Will should I choose? I mean, uh, in between both Wills, and I'm just not gonna make. Well, I should make. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna give it to you, not Will. Oh, we're gonna leave that answer. For another podcast, Ooh. oh, we'll just kind of scoot it over. <laughs> All right, uh, I
3: understand your guys' point. For me, though, I'm going to that iron sharpens iron type of deal. I want them to just really just play lights out and have the Bears have a tough decision. sharpen
1: until the fourth preseason game,
3: then, but, then, then blow it. I'll the tell you what, though. I'll tell you what. If one blows it, it doesn't mean that he's the worst kicker. At the end of the day, it could just be, <sighs> you never know. You're never. gonna You never yet. know what kickers. You're never. You never know if kickers. You're never, know. You're You're never, never going know. to. You're going to have to just. You know, trust your gut, have conviction as the bears like to say. So they're gonna to have to have some conviction and the choice here, but so far, it does seem like it's gonna be a tough one, but we haven't even had a game yet. So let's kind of calm down guys. All right, let's have the final segment, which is just uh, some quick recap thoughts. Do you wanna kind of just uh, summarize your points or just anything you wanna to close the to show on? Let's go to Will first.
1: Uh, great time to be a bear fan. I, I, we were talking about it. This might be the, the biggest population of bears fans we've seen in Bourbon A in a long time. Uh, Mm -hmm. most I can remember a lot of times you can just find your way onto a lot of bleachers today they were packed from a long time before practice started and there is still a massive line coming through the gate so great time to be a Bears fan Bears fever is in full effect and uh, it's fun to watch now the expectations will be a little bit interesting if they come up short but uh Right now, it's a lot of fun to be a Bears fan. And it's good to see everyone getting behind it. Because you watch those videos of, like, the 85 Bears documentaries. Mm-hmm. Like, you see, like, everyone getting in the spirit. They have the, the scarf on the line. It's just like Chicago really gets up
3: for this team. And it's going to be fun to see that for a whole regular season now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you said it. Most people we've seen here in a long time. It's, to me, I still think there were more people the first week of Mark Tressman's era, which is sad in retrospect. Um, but, again, it's Sunday. There's a lot of people. I don't know what the official count was. They tend to announce it as soon as we're podcasting. Mm-hmm. But it felt like, if not the same, maybe a little bit more uh, than yesterday, which yesterday was a little over 8,000. So plenty of people here. I'm glad we got here early next. We can get some good spots up on some bleachers to get some good vantage points. But anything that you want to kind of wrap the show on?
0: Yeah, so uh, we said it earlier in the podcast, day two was really a defensive day. They kind of won um, the majority of the battles today. But I think throughout this training camp, you're going to really see – Offense is going to win a day, defense is going to win a day, and that's just because this team, this offense is really raising its level of expectations and its play overall, and that's a good thing because the defense was the focal point, the strong point of this team last season, but you can see the offense. It's catching up. Matt Nagy's year two here. I think that's going to be a good thing for the competitive nature between both these sides of the ball, offense, defense, but I think that's really what you're going to see throughout all of training camp. Who's going to have a better day because they're both really good uh, really good football players on each side?
3: Yeah, I'm not going to be surprised if we get here tomorrow and the offense wins, Yeah, honestly. No. I mean, they're going to have – the defense had that little extra, you know, pep in their step today, a little bit of extra energy. I think the offense, looking back at today, reflecting, and then moving forward tomorrow, they're going to be the ones like, all right, it's time to show them, you know, who we are and what we can do. And I love it. I love the competition. Uh, so, for me, real quick, just to wrap up. This team is so deep i mean the fact is like you know no matter which position you're looking at there's just so much talent and you look back three off seasons ago even two off seasons ago tanner gentry <laughs> you know and even when he's making plays and everyone's kind of calming down about him because they know like he's not the answer it's so affirming like we're finally coming to that realization we have much better talent at, the, at every position but that one specifically uh, so I know your friends are getting a little antsy over there, which you said don't worry about it, but I tend to uh, So for me, I'm gonna wrap up there. I'm excited about day three tomorrow um, But overall a lot of good flashes defense one uh, David Montgomery's doing some good things showing promise and overall I think that the Bears are gonna be a hell of a team and one last thing I'm already scoffing at the idea of any regression from that defense from what I saw today, right? Yeah, not happening yeah. at all yeah, they're good. <laughs> they're good. <laughs> so, they good. I think that's how we can end the show. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Chicago Audible. I thank you all for uh, watching live here at uh, this beautiful backdrop, hopefully, that we have uh, here on Olivet Nazarene University. And of course, everyone who is listening to the podcast, no matter where you're listening, no matter how you do it, we do appreciate you. Don't forget, I think we're about 30 reviews away from giving away a free beer jersey once we hit. 500 and Apple podcast and honestly, I know there's more than 30 of you listening that can just get this done So I'll order that Jersey uh, tomorrow night if we get the 500 before that yeah, nice watch over there <laughs> Yeah, I tend to do that and I and I say tomorrow night like it even matters like there's time um, But yeah 500 reviews Apple Podcasts, free Bears Jersey of your choice. You can get those sweet uh, 100 jerseys or the ones the white alternates for the centennial uniform as well. Uh, keep that in mind But until next time, hopefully you enjoyed this Bears Camp report, by the way. And, of course, we'll talk to you tomorrow afterwards. But until then, bear down, Chicago. (laughs)
1: Today is the day you're going to find your chill in this wild, wild world. Number overthinking, self-doubt, or spiraling negative thoughts. We can't control all the variables in our lives, but at A Little Bit of Chill podcast, we can learn how we want to react to them. Chill is a vibe, a podcast full of inspiration, practical tools, fun, and a whole lot of laughs. Check us out, A Little Bit of Chill, the podcast.
2: Join Callie and Will for A Little Bit of Chill, the podcast, drops every Thursday.